When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. So now first and goal. But that exchange cost Minnesota a timeout. Cousins throws as he back for the touchdown of Diggs. All right, Purple Daily, two hours today, underway. Your lineup is thus. Uh, Matthew Collar taking the day off, so Zolgad in, Danny Cunningham in, Manny Hill in, Jonathan Harrison, as usual, uh, producing the show on the all-new Score North. And gentlemen, since there is very little going on, football-wise right now. Not much happening. I mean, who would believe it, right? Because the National Football League slows down for no one. But this time of year, they actually do take a rest. It slows down for June and July. Yes, yes, exactly right. (laughs) They take a little break. Guys go out. Guys have fun. Hopefully no one gets arrested. And they all reconvene in late July for the opening of training camp. I figured that we would have a, a fun exercise here for the three of us. And certainly if the listeners want to chime in, they can. They can do so by calling 651-646-8255 or by uh, tweeting us. And what the exercise is this, and it's very specific in one way. The verbiage that I came up with is five things that we all miss about the football about football from our childhood. Yes. But to be very, very clear, this exercise is not to imply that anything we're going to say means it was better. Because there's a big difference there. Because just for instance, if I say, you know what I really liked? I like safeties that headhunted. That would be implying the concussions are okay. Or better. (laughs) They're not. So football has taken a lot of positive steps, right? But we miss it. But we <laughs> yeah jacked him up, jacked him up on jacked ESPN. Up. Part of your childhood and not mine. I've got that. Okay, list. yeah, yeah. He jacked him up. Oh boy, that was didn't a good jack idea. didn't jacked up. It turned into like, come on, man, right? Yes. Yeah, and, yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then Chris Carter left. Right, he left for FS1. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Or he was shown at the door. One of the two things. So we are going to talk about and and I actually I started off by saying five, but like I've got like ten here. So. Whatever you got is fine. I'm surprised you stopped at 10. Well, I just kept coming up with little... Because the more I thought about it, I thought there's a lot of little things I really miss. And and again, they weren't... They have potentially been improved upon, or it might be good that they're gone. But, you know, when you're 10 years old and you sit down on a football Sunday, for me, 1980, long, long time ago, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool stuff. So, so I am... 
49, about to turn 50 in November. Manny, you are how old? 35. 35. Danny, you're how old? 25. Okay, so this is absolutely perfect. None of us will probably have anything close to being the, the same thing. I was basically an adult, uh, certainly by the time the Cunningham here, that his list started. Manny, I'm closer to you, but still 14 years apart there. Mm-hmm. So, Danny, I, I think we start with you and whatever your list is. And, and I, I believe that you said that you were going to do National Football League and college. Yeah, I was just going to do football in right. general as opposed to only NFL. Perfect. Number one, tinted visors. Do you guys remember when guys used to be able to have like the rainbow color visors yeah. or the 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 yellow ones, the orange ones, super dark ones? I miss those. Those were super intimidating. If you looked at a guy like Ed Reed or all of the, and I have the the bad boy Miami Hurricanes from the early 2000s, like those teams too on my list. If you look at their defensive backfield, they all had the coolest eye shields on their helmet. And it's something I miss. Like, they're not allowed in the game anymore. You have to have a clear one or you have to have a doctor's note to have a, a moderately tinted one. But you used to be able to have wicked cool eye shields. And I miss that so much. When I was in college, yeah. because for practice, you can wear whatever. Like, I had a couple of them. I had a dark one. Because you played in college, yeah. I, yes, I, I played football in college. I had a dark one. I had an orange one. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. <laughs> but I couldn't How much wear them. They're like 45 bucks. Um <laughs> And I had gotten a couple of tinted ones passed down to me from like teammates that had stopped playing or whatever. And like I had acquired some of them. And I, I wore a clear one during games, but you're not allowed to have any tint on it. It has to be 100% clear. Mm-hmm. So those were the coolest things when I was a kid. I always, when I was a kid, and I'm like, man, if I play football in college or even in high school, I want to have a tinted visor so bad. Like, I think that's the coolest thing. When I was in, like, fifth grade, <laughs> I thought that. And I still think they're really cool. If I'm playing Madden or NCAA football for PlayStation or whatever, and I can create myself in the the Road to Glory or my player in Madden, my guy always has a tinted visor. That's awesome. Always. Every time. When did, the, uh, when did this get outlawed by... The National Football League or college. I, I don't the know the exact year, but like, I mean, if you remember, no one's got a visor like Ladanian Tomlinson used to have. Like yeah. that, just that dark eye shield. No one's got the the really shiny, colorful ones the way that Sean Taylor had at Miami. Like those just don't exist. They probably got outlawed around 2006, 2007. I'm sure some of those guys were grandfathered in if they had been wearing them prior to the rule being in, but you don't see anyone now breaking into the league wearing them. Or in college, they're they're strictly outlawed. Judd, you might remember this better than, than I could because I was just a little kid when he was playing for the Vikings, but I think, did Jim McMahon have a tinted... Shield yeah, on his I, helmet when he was with the Vikings. He at had least. eye problems too, right? Yeah, hadn't he been poked in the eye? I think yes, so. he did because and and I think uh, to Danny's point, I think it was a doctor ordered thing. I want to say when he played for the Bears, potentially he had been poked yeah. through the face mask. But Maybe. Yet, yes, he did. He definitely did. But uh, until uh, Danny brought that up, I had forgotten about those things. Mm-hmm. Like, but yeah, you, you're right. A lot of guys at that time wore if, them. If you Google a picture of like Willis McGahee when he played at Miami at yep. the U back in the day, his eye shield was so cool. Like it was orange and green and blue. It was the coolest thing ever. And I always wanted one of those when I was a little kid. And by the time I got to high school and college, obviously they were outlawed. And it was one of the most disappointing, one of the most disappointing <laughs> things ever. To childhood Danny. So that's your top one. Yes. The, I, I the miss tinted, tinted eye shields you'd like so to, much. You'd lo- like them to make a comeback. Yes. All right. Number yes, two. Please. Number two, uh, 
those those Miami Hurricanes teams from the early 2000s, the in my opinion, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes are the greatest college football team of all time. And this is coming from someone that grew up a Notre Dame fan. Like, I'm not supposed to like Miami. There's supposed to be a rivalry there. But the amount of talent, just the, the yeah. 01 Miami Hurricanes had 17 first-round draft picks on the roster. 17 guys wow. went in the first round of the NFL draft on the roster. The The, the team was so good. That Sean Taylor and Kellen Winslow Jr., who I realize has turned into a terrible human being, but was a really good football player at one time, those guys rode the bench. Mm-hmm. Like they were that good that those because guys. Jeremy Shockey and Jeremy yeah. Shockey was a tight end. Ed Reed was the starting safety in front of Sean Taylor. They were so good that guys that could have been Hall of Famers in the NFL couldn't get on the field. They were that so 17 first round picks. They had 17 wow. first round draft picks, including on the, our guy Bryant McKinney. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, who, who, who didn't get beat for a sec, I think, through his high school and collegiate careers, right? Yep. And then he didn't I was get at, beat there. I was at that game, his first game at the Metrodome against the Giants, because remember, he held out. It was out. like eight, nine games. It was, games like, in, it was right? like week eight or week he signed nine. For the last second, yeah. And Kenny Holmes blew right by him for a sec in that, his first game in the NFL. <laughs> that team had Andre Johnson, Sean Taylor, Kellen Winslow, McKinney, Antrell Roll, Jonathan Vilma, Jeremy Shockey, Jerome McDougal. Jerome McDougal, wow. Philip Buchanan, DJ Williams, Vernon Carey, Vince Wilfork, Willis McGahey, Ed Reed, William Joseph, Mike Rumpf, and Kelly Jennings all Woo! went in the first and round. And was that so? So Woo! for the U at that time, was that their third in- incarnation of great teams? Schnellenberger took that program with Jim 80s. Kelly, right? Yeah. And that program, I think, had been nothing. And Bernie, too. Bernie Kozar. And then, yeah. yeah. Yep. And then, so he took the Contest program too. and got it right. going, right? But then Jimmy came in. Yep. And Jimmy then continued the success. And then they had a they had a pretty precipitous drop-off at one point. Well, they, 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 they were okay when Jimmy left... Uh, Dennis Erickson took over, and they had some pretty good teams with like Gino Toretta. Okay, Gino Toretta won the Heisman, and but they had then, some pretty good teams. Then, then too. One, once Butch Davis took over, that's when they became dominant again. Again, yeah. okay. so that was the third time. This was this was the year that Butch was the first year coach of the Browns. This was when Larry Coker took over the Canes. So yeah, it was that's right. All of the guys that Butch had recruited, and Larry Coker obviously wasn't the same caliber of recruiter that Butch Davis was at Miami. So this was the tail end yeah. of that because they had... He didn't have Larry, the same thing that Larry, Butch had, which was the deep pockets. Larry Coker didn't have the same bag man that Butch Davis did. Let's <laughs> let's just say that. And you remember that Miami team the year before, in Butch's last year with Miami, there was controversy in the BCS because... The Hurricanes had beaten Florida State mm-hmm. during that season, but Florida State still got to play in the BCS title game against Oklahoma, where they got beat like thirteen to two or okay. something like that. And Florida then, or um, I'm sorry, Miami went on to play Florida in the Sugar Bowl and just kicked the crap. Yeah, out they of beat them by seventeen. And yep. Miami's loss that year was Week Two on the road at Washington, Washington. who was a a pretty strong team at the time. They they lost that one by five points, and it cost them a, a national title. But right. that. That Miami team is probably the greatest team of all time. Yep. And I miss just how much swagger how they had on the field. At the I, time you oof, think? I would have been in first or second grade. <laughs> so this is like really young me watching Role models football, of a first class for a first grader, oh, too. yeah. And by the way, that Miami team should have won the national championship the next year against Ohio State. They got screwed by that oh, pass interference Don't even call. get me started yeah. on that. Totally got screwed. So hold on a second. Get me started you're, on that. you're an Irish fan. Uh-huh. 
but yet you became a diehard lover of the Hurricanes. I wasn't a diehard lover of them. I just thought they were so cool. Okay. Like, I thought it was so cool, and I was really upset that they lost to Ohio State. I thought the Fonz was cool. You thought the Hurricanes were cool. They were. They were. They were great. Running running out of the tunnel, the smoke, stuff like that. It was really cool. (laughs) Number three on my list is Randy Moss. Randy yeah. Moss, in my opinion, is the, the greatest receiver of all time. Like, I think he was a better receiver than Jerry Rice. I know the numbers might not say the same thing, but Randy Moss changed football. Mm-hmm. He, he was the, the last truly just transcendent wide receiver where you had to change the way that you played defense because he was so good. And I miss watching that on, on Sundays. I, I miss what he was able to do here. Even that season in, in New England when he caught, I forget how many touchdowns he caught when, they went seven or sixteen and zero in the regular season. It was twenty three. Tom, Tom Brady set the record at the time for touchdown passes in the season. I remember the one one handed catch he had against the Jets in the back of the end zone. Like you were not supposed to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. Just the freak he was, and the clip of him saying "straight cash, homie" was one of my favorite things ever <laughs> from when I was a kid. The funniest thing about th- that story is that that there was a time, and I don't know why. But the Vikings allowed reporters at Winter Park to stand out in the parking lot and wait for players. So, like, the players' parking lot, you could stand there. Mm -hmm. Summer, winter, fall, they didn't care. And that was a a product of the fact that Jerry Zagoda, I believe, went there for the Star Tribune that day. But the guy who got the quote, the guy who says, how are you going to pay for it, Randy? And he replies, straight cash homie, was a Care 11 photographer. But these got that only reason, and it's a great quote, but the only reason that that exists is because you could stand out. It's the damnedest thing. And, and in retrospect, no team would allow this. No. Not even close now. Right. And, and the only reason that that rule finally got changed where we couldn't stand there, because we would stand there and wait for guys to come out for a long time, because if you had a follow-up question or, or there, there was a story and locker room access was done, you could just stand there and wait. And the only reason why that finally went away was during the whole Love Boat fiasco. Ziggy Wilf's <laughs> office looked on that parking lot, and he and he looked out, and I kid you not, a reporter was leaning into Darren Sharper's car talking to him. And Wilf's like, what's going on out there? This is not a good idea. And he wasn't wrong. Yeah. And the next day, parking lot access di- disappeared. But parking lot access was something that the media in this town had at Winter Park for probably 10 years. I've oh, not 15 heard of, years. I've not heard, heard of another organization giving out parking lot access. Straight cash homie only came because that guy asked him, Randy, how are you going to pay for it? <laughs> Amazing. And, <laughs> the greatest, and the greatest comeback, because that, that was not thought out. No. That was an instantaneous mm-hmm. straight cash homie. Amazing. <laughs> so so th- that emboldens your point even more, makes the quote even better. Yes, it was. I, I remember seeing that clip on SportsCenter that night or the next day or whenever it, it made its way to the national headlines, and I thought it was amazing. It was. It was, it was a awesome. great. It was a fantastic quote. Yes. Legendary. And Moss, yes. Moss changed the game. Absolutely. There is, among people that have changed that sport, what probably... Uh, Brown and Sayers in, in the 60s, mm-hmm. right? Probably. Sure. Uh, but if you're going to go through the people that, that have evolved that sport into the sport that it, it is today, there's no doubt in my mind that the passing game and how it's viewed and why and why the league... The, the league, I think, looked at Moss and said, oh my gosh, 
we got something here. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll also say this is a, a, a bit of a crossover into basketball here, but I love that he wore Jordans on the Metrodome turf. Like he wore basketball shoes when he was playing oh, for the Vikings. Know, yeah. I didn't know that. He wore he would wear Jordan thirteens or, or really? Jordan elevens. Yeah. He wore no basketball idea. shoes that were and now a lot of those shoes get made into football cleats. Like you can see guys wearing Jordan's football cleats now. But the Metrodome obviously was that that hard turf where oh, it terrible. wasn't grassy at all. It was essentially like playing on cement. So you could wear basketball shoes and be fine and randy moss did and that was the coolest thing because he had custom jordans before anyone did oh that's fantastic i had no clue like they're coming out with a jordan 13 it's a lakers colorway yep but it is the same shoe that randy moss wore when he was playing for the vikings like it's white with with purple on the back and, and gold trim it is the randy moss vikings colorway hmm. it's awesome what's your next one uh, my next one is running quarterbacks before every quarterback could run like, <laughs> like nowadays, mobility is such a part of a being one. a quarterback. Yeah, right. A like one. almost every it. quarterback it can move outside the pocket, can do all these things. But when I was a kid, it wasn't always like that. Like you saw more QBs that were, oh, you are strictly a pocket passer. You're like, uh, you are a turtle outside of the pocket. You just can't move. <laughs> and then there was Mike Vick. Yep. Where Mike Vick was the anti that back in 2002 when no one could move like that. Yeah. The most exciting thing to watch as a kid, seeing this guy where the position hadn't been played like that, or at least it hadn't been played like that in my lifetime to that point. It it had been all pocket passers for the most part. And seeing this guy just revolutionize the game and the way that he was able to take off and make things happen with his legs. Do you guys remember the Mike Vick experience commercial that Nike put out? There was a commercial where it, it it took place inside the Georgia Dome in Atlanta. And it was essentially putting these kids on a roller coaster where you would go on the roller coaster, you would sit in the seat, they would like buckle you with the harnesses over your shoulder. Mm-hmm. But when the harnesses came down over your shoulder, so did a helmet. It was a, an Atlanta Falcons helmet with okay. a, a dark visor. A visor, of course. And yeah, then, yeah. and then the video, because it was like a virtual reality thing. So when it took you on this ride, the video was taking you through a, a scramble through Mike Vick's eyes. And it like ends with you flipping into the end zone. And it was one of the coolest That's commercials awesome. of my childhood. No, I have no recollection of this. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't I'll remember see if this, I can no. find it during the break, but it was one of the coolest commercials of my childhood. And it made it so difficult to not love what Mike Vick did. And I never grew up a Falcons fan. And I understand what he did, did with the dog fighting wasn't great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But what he did on the field when I was a kid was some of the most incredible stuff that I ever watched. The run against the Vikings is still oh, one of the most remarkable. When things. Craig Beekert and Brian Williams ran into each other, Craig trying to tackle Beekert him. is still on the Metrodome floor right now, <laughs> trying to find his cleats. He was completely lost. That was that was Mike Vick's. So out Vick, party so it was it was Vick when when you were a kid. It was Cunningham probably for you mm-hmm. as a kid, right? Be- mm-hmm. Because but there was a big gap there. Like Cunningham didn't start, he didn't revolutionize the sport where we got a lot of him because he, he was a one off talent. Mm-hmm. And then I want to say until Vic, because I'm trying to recall if there was a guy in the middle who was as mobile of quarterback and fleet of foot. And I can't not, recall enough. Not my that head. athletic, no. And, and I could be wrong about Randall Cunningham, but Mike Vic was like a top five athlete in the league. And mm-hmm. Randall Cunningham could move, but he could move for a quarterback. He wasn't the same level of athlete that Mike Vick was, I don't think. I could be wrong. I, I'm not, not the same speed. He wasn't, yeah, I, he was not, not, the, the, not same. the same speed. Like, Mike he Vick was, really was, good, was one of the, the fastest speed, right. guys in the league, and he also could throw the ball 75 oh, yards. Yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. The, the one Mike Vick play, and this was later on in my childhood, this was like high school, is when he was with the Eagles. It was a first play of the game touchdown to Deshaun Jackson. Mm-hmm. He essentially throws the ball from the goal line to the opponent's 20-yard line. 
Like, it is one of the most unbelievable throws that I have ever seen. Mm-hmm. I just remember with Mike Vick, I just remember that game at Lambeau, that, that wild card game at Lambeau. The silence years Lambeau yeah. Field. And he yeah. went out there, and, and it was primetime, wild card weekend, and they kicked the crap out of the Packers. And I, I think that was the Packers' first ever home playoff loss, playoff loss at Lambeau. It was. And it was Mike Vick who led the charge. Got another one? I've got plenty more. Do we need a break? Uh, give me one more. One more. Okay. Yeah, it, this is will break eventually. We're, we're Sorry, staying. Jonathan. We're staying in the same era. We're going with a totally different style of quarterback, though. I miss the greatest show on turf, guys. Those Rams teams. Marshall Falk might be my favorite player of all time. Just the, the way that he was so good that, that he revolutionized the running back game because he was the first guy, and, and when he got to the Rams, more so than when he was with the Colts, he could catch the ball in the backfield so well. And Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt and Rook, Ricky Prohl and just some of those guys. Key. Yes, those those Rams teams were some of my favorites what's when the, I was growing up. What's the 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 uh, tutorial or history on that now? Did they basically now that, that we can look back twenty plus years? Did they basically take the ninety eight Vikings offense and just one up it to a certain degree? Because that ninety eight Vikings offense was obviously really dynamic and, and high flying, and it felt like the Rams were like, like Mark said, if we just tweak this and that, we can be better. But it takes a page from that because yeah. because to to go back to your Moss point, the Moss point is really really a good and, one, which is that changed the dynamic. I think of how people thought about the offensive game. And the Rams didn't have a receiver as good as Moss. Obviously, like Tory Holt was a really really good. But the Falk thing was is the but, one that's really interesting. But the Vikings mm-hmm. didn't. I don't think had a running back as dynamic as Marshall Falk because to that no. point, I don't think one had existed. The Vikings had had a guy by the name of David Palmer, mm-hmm. who who now would be fantastic. Oh yeah. Then he was dynamic. But he wasn't Falk. Yeah. And and it was as if Martz and the Rams looked at Falk with the Colts and mm-hmm. said, if we just get our hands on that and do, change this. Do like one or two little things exactly. to make him better. And, and he'll become a Hall it of Famer, off. which he did. And those offenses were unbelievable. Like, I was heartbroken as a kid when they lost to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. I, I loved those Rams teams. I... Uh, Actually, at my parents' house in Cleveland, I, I still have this piece of memorabilia. I have a football signed by the entire 2003-2004 St. Louis Rams. So it's not all of those names, but most cool. like Kurt Warner's autograph is on there. Marshall Falk, Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, Adam Archuleta, Aninas Williams. So many of those guys from both offense and defense, I have a signed football with all of those guys on it. It's one of the coolest pieces of memorabilia I have. Okay, let, let's do, do this. Let's interrupt your list to take a break. We are talking about the things that we miss most. Not that they were better, but the things that we miss most uh, from our childhood when it comes to the uh, sport of football. Obviously, the show is Purple Daily. Judd, Danny, and Manny back after this on the all-new Score North. Football fans, it's Mackie here for Federated Insurance. You might not know this about me, but I've been a business owner a couple different times in my life. I can relate to the roller coaster ride, the never-ending sea of problems to solve, the exhilaration of those incremental wins. If you're a business owner, I recommend getting to know Federated, which has over a century of experience in protecting businesses and making them as successful as they can be. You want to come company like Federated standing behind your business. Visit federatedinsurance.com to find your local representative. Federated Mutual Insurance Company. It's our business to protect yours. First and 10 at the 26-yard line. Offset back to the backfield. Cook the running back. Straight drop for Cousins. Swings it out to Cook on the right side. Got a block of the 25. Cook to the 20. Speed to the 10. Cuts left to the 5. High steps in for the touchdown. Dalvin Cook and the fireworks. 
fireworks all reach the end zone at the same time. And a little fireworks getting the Vikings on the board. Down 7-6. to six. The show is Purple Daily. Collar out today. You're listening to the all-new Score North. The Score North AM 1500. You can download the Score North mobile app. Apple, Android, all that good stuff. Zolgad, Danny Cunningham, uh, Manny Hill with you until uh, 4 o'clock. We are right now talking about the things that we miss from our childhood which were in very different eras, boys. Oh, yeah. From uh, the sport of football, National Football League, and college. And, Danny, your last one was the greatest show on turf, Rams. So continue on with uh, with the things that we now don't see. Not that they were better at the time, but that we just miss seeing. So this one probably ties into both of yours as well because it was part of this that era. But single bar and, like, the, the really skinny kicker face masks. Oh, yeah. I thought those I were don't not, have that one, but it's a good one. I thought those ones were great because that kind of tailed off as I as I grew up. Like, they're now outlawed, and you were allowed to wear them as long as you were grandfathered in, just like with the, the tinted eye shields that we talked about earlier. But those were really cool. Like, it was cool to know that, oh, you're the kicker. You don't really play, but you've got this sweet face mask Gary that no Anderson. one else has. Yeah. yeah. Didn't Theismann go as a quarterback single bar? Oh, there were a few quarterbacks yeah, back in the, in the, like, the back 60s in the, and 70s. Yeah, that He went single the, bar, but yep. I, I want to say that he went with a face mask that looked downright dangerous into the 80s Oh yeah, for Theismann. Think about that one. Yeah, that'd be terrifying. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't imagine doing that. All right. So, I don't so have much on that. Like one, tinted, but that... So you like tinted shields, mm-hmm. single bar. If only if I you're wish a kicker. I thought of that one. Only if you're a kicker. Quarterbacks, it was fun. I don't care as long as it wasn't me. It's true. All right. Kickoff returns. They don't happen anymore. I know. How how fun was the it? Old wedges. How fun was? <laughs> you guys remember D'Angelo Hall in Kansas City? Oh yeah, the X Factor. Josh Cribbs in Cleveland. Those guys could absolutely just change the game. Devin Hester in Chicago. How much fun was it when they would catch a kickoff one or two yards deep in the end zone and bring it out, and you didn't know what was going to happen? When the Super Bowl between Chicago and Indianapolis kicked off and Devin Hester returned oh. that opening kickoff for a touchdown, I, I realized man. that... You should have seen him against the Vikings, Danny. ...that yeah. the Bears didn't Chris win that Cluey, game. Chris Cluey lived in fear of punting to <laughs> Devin Hester. I miss guys like that. We don't have dynamic, explosive athletes that return kicks and punts anymore because it's mostly been taken out of the game. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And this is coming from someone that returned punts and kicks in college. Like, I'm not saying it's the safest Which thing Which is why to your do. back hurts today. Yes, my back is killing me today. I've got two herniated discs, and it's not fun. Um, but he misses it. <laughs> I miss watching it. I miss watching it. Oh, it was fun to watch, yeah. Returning punts, terrifying. Trust me. The, the, one of the scariest things I've ever done. Like, absolutely horrible and the ability to do. Uh, and the ability to screw up that assignment's very high, right? Oh, it, it's people a, are on you immediately. It's a difficult thing. And a kickoff, you can catch and have some... Yes, kickoffs are more start. fun. Kickoffs are more fun if okay. you're the returner. If you're a blocker, they're not fun at all. But if you're a returner, they're fun. Uh, punts are terrifying because you're looking up the whole time and you're counting in your head and you have to rely on your count to know where anyone's at on the field because you can't... You really can't, for the most part, afford to take your eye off the ball. You can watch the ball be kicked off the punter's foot, yep. and you can like kind of survey the field, and then you have to look up and track it. And it is—it's a really scary thing when that ball starts coming down, and you don't know where anyone is. It's terrifying. But I miss watching guys like like Devin Hester or Josh Cribbs or D'Angelo Hall, all those guys that used to just be able to, you know, if you kick it to this guy, it might be going for six. And that was something I miss about football because it just doesn't happen anymore. It was the greatest show on turf. Tony Horn yeah. was a guy that returned punts and kicks wow, for them. Wow, that's he a was, blast from the past. He was, he, was, he was another really good one. I miss those. I miss them a lot. <laughs> they mean, were I, fun. Oh, they were fun to watch as a fan. Yes. Yes, they, they were. I mean, 
kickoff returns. But when more you would so get the but. offensive tackles, the backup tackles and guards going down the, the field with those human wedges that they would form, well, and fullbacks, <laughs> and that, realize that, that people were basically going to die. Fullbacks don't exist now for the most part because they've been phased out of offense, but they've also been phased out of special teams for the most part too. Mm-hmm. Like we used to use fullbacks when you would form the wedge on a kickoff return mm-hmm. or to protect the punter, and now it's well, our offensive linemen are athletic enough where they can do it. So we really don't need a fullback for that either. So we can kind of phase them out of the offense as well. All right. What's your next one? I missed the jacked up segment on ESPN. And and Jonathan might have some sound for this because I missed when... Get jacked up when they not, somebody's gonna get jacked up from those guys that are gonna be racing those sausages. But let's get the jacked up. Number five is we're gonna begin with the Rams and the Chargers, and Mark, Mark Bulger gonna be delivering the ball to Tony Fisher, throws it down around his feet. So Donnie Edwards is gonna level it right there. Always be looking out for the big hit right there. Tony Fisher got Yeah, you gotta play that. Yeah, you gotta play the Chiefs. DJ Hackett gonna make the catch and Ty Law gonna launch him backwards. How far backwards? The crack staff of Jacked Up is gonna show you that it's going three yards back to the 27. Right there, and DJ Hackett got number three to come. How did we not identify the fact that this was essentially (laughs) condoning, congratulating, and embracing concussions? It was, but it was also entertaining. No, it wasn't, but we never did. Did you even... The the two biggest things, I think, in my lifetime as a sports fan that I didn't give a second thought to any concern was, why is Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire so big now and Sammy Sosa? The summer of 98, this is so much fun. I never thought to myself, why did they look like cartoon characters? And the second thing was how much we looked at football hits and said, oh, man, his helmet popped off. That's awesome. Like, how can I go out in the backyard as a kid and replicate that? Did you ever play NFL Blitz? Yes. With a big hit, the helmet would come off yeah. all the time. Yeah. Like, if yeah. you hit someone yep. in that video game hard, like, with a big hit, their helmet went flying off. And it mm-hmm. went, like, 10 yards. It wasn't just, oh, his helmet popped off. Like, you got jacked up. And every player, every player on the game, too, was just, like, huge and, like, hulked up. And even, like, the quarterbacks were, like, You could big, see the huge, juice flowing through their arms. Yeah. They were all, like, Bruce Banner. No, we, man, we loved like, it. We embraced it. It was basically condoning concussions. And I'm not saying... People can't remember their names now, and we thought, oh, that's great. I'm not saying that that rampant CTE is better, but Jacked Up was entertaining. The whole premise of this this show right now is to say we're not condoning. We're just talking about things that we liked as kids. Yes, Jacked Up was amazing. It was one of the best things that ESPN ever did. All right, one more, or are you done? Um, I've got a couple more. I can be done if you want. No, no, no. I miss dri- two more driveway pre- driveway press conferences. Remember when T.O. held that, that press oh, conference with- in his driveway doing the sit-ups? Oh, yeah, with yeah, yeah. In house. That doesn't happen anymore. Oh, like, our yeah. PR teams are now too smart to ever let that happen, whether it's a team PR team or an agency's PR team. It just doesn't happen. But stuff like that, and, and T.O.'s is the one that we can highlight. It's the most memorable. But- Did Drew Rosenhaus just think that was cool? I thought it was cool, so he might have. <laughs> but he was at that time. Drew was a huge deal too. Yeah, he's. I mean, he still is. Not. Yeah, he's, he's still not no, quite but as not prominent. Like he, not but like he was then. The, the driveway press conference where To was doing sit ups in his driveway with next like question thirty five pound dumbbells. Next question. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> next question. It was incredible. <laughs> Complete dog and pony show. It was incredible. I, I miss. I miss stuff like that. All right. 
And your last one. Last one. Chris Berman reading highlights like every Sunday. I know they do it sometimes. Uh, ESPN will bring back he and Tom Jackson sometimes, but he used to be a a focal point of their coverage. And I'm not saying that their coverage now isn't good because I do think it is for the most part. But I miss like the the fastest three minutes in uh, the fastest three minute halftime show or whatever it used to be. I, I do miss that. Although I can do without him calling the home run derby. Oh, I agree completely. I agree completely. He was so I'm I don't mean to draw this comparison here because it's not apples to apples as far as their stardom probably, but he was your Cosell. Yeah. Like Cosell for me was Monday night football halftime highlights which Alan was Cosell. Which was by the way as a kid for me the first time basically that I got to see that big of package of of Sunday highlights. That was you for yeah. uh or you with uh Chris Berman. All right, Manny Hill all right, before before I start with mine, I have seven of them. Um, Jonathan, do we have the sound that I talked to you about yep. before? Okay, that's going to be my number two, and I'm going to count down from seven to one here. So that'll be my number two. Um, number seven for me was, uh, and I and I realized that most of these were made like in the 60s and 70s and into the 80s uh, before he passed away, but John Facenda, man. Oh, on the yeah. NFL films. Greatest voice. I, I I would come home like you guys wonder like how I have the Super Bowl stuff like stuck in my head is because I used to come home from school every afternoon. And yeah. while a lot of my friends were watching like cartoons, the Disney afternoon, DuckTales and stuff like that. I watched Super Bowl highlights on ESPN and ESPN two mm-hmm. for like three hours in that into the into the early evening. And it was John Facenda. Calling the NFL and the Super Bowl and Bart Starr and the Green Bay Packers yep. and the Pittsburgh Steelers led by quarterback Terry Bradshaw. And like, the Chiefs and Lund Dawson against the Vikings. Yes, yes. And it was just John Facenda was the voice of football and he was just uh he was just absolutely incredible. No, he was a voice of God, right? Yes, yes, the voice of God. The yeah, voice that's of God. Right. Yeah, he was his voice was just so perfect. And that that whole thing, too, for the fact that they came along in, what, the 60s mm-hmm. and thought of that idea, hey, we should film all this stuff and narrate it and do fall, football follies. If you think about it, that led to so much that, that, heck, you see today, right? Yeah, definitely. But that idea to come up with that in the 60s of let's capture this, to me, was the first step in this league becoming just gigantic because it made the league bigger than it was at the time. And not just even narrating it and capturing it, but the music that went along with yes. it is timeless. Yeah, I mean, yes. we still use NFL films music how often here on Score North. And I know it's used at other places around the country. Probably too much, but that's beside the point. Daily. <laughs> it's, it is used daily by someone across the country. The music on, on those narrations and, and Feature films and all that stuff is just absolutely timeless. And, uh, they knocked everything out of the park in, from that era. Number six. All right, number six for me was uh, the video games. Madden in the 90s, like Madden 93, 94, 95-ish yep. on the Sega Genesis that I had at the time. And it was just fantastic. Like the the sound effects and John Madden coming in. Like if somebody gets hit, he just says, you know, he'll say something like, yeah, he'll fill that one tomorrow. Or like, where'd that truck come from? Or something like that. It wasn't even like actual play-by-play, like what we get in video games now. Right. It was just, you just play the game, and then at the end of the play, Madden would just have like some drop in after the play. Did it have the Ask Madden feature when you wanted to select a play if you didn't know what's called? The, in the later ones, yeah. In like the it? late 90s versions, yeah. Because when, when I started playing Madden, that was a, a 
big part of the game is if you were unsure of what you wanted to call for a play, you could press, if you were playing PlayStation, press square, and it would say, Ask Madden, and John Madden would recommend two or three plays for you to call. Yeah. It's the Ask Madden feature. I was too old, and and that's one of the few things I'm sorry I missed, because I was, uh, so I was 20, I turned 21 in 91, Mm -hmm. and so I never really played it, and I think I missed out. Yeah. I yeah. think on Madden, I think a lot of that stuff I didn't miss one bit, but Madden sounds darn fun. Oh, and I gosh, never got involved. So you know what else was fun on the NCAA version of the video games? Yeah. Because they had the same thing, and, and Madden is still around. NCAA has since been discontinued since 2014 was the last game that came yeah. out. Yeah, last year, the BCS. They sued them, right? Instead of, instead of John Madden, it was Lee Corso. Oh really? Yes. Lee Corso yeah. was heavily ask, ask involved. Corso, yeah. It was it was the college game day guys were involved instead of Al Michaels and John Madden. It was Herb Street and Lee Corso, Brad Nestler earlier yes. on, and then uh, it, it was a lot. I loved that game. What I missed I, that a lot. What I loved about those two was before every game they would have Corso do his the head mascot. Gear he doing his yeah. headgear the selection. Head oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it was awesome. It was fantastic. Uh, number five, <laughs> number five for me, and this goes strictly to right like the mid '90s, the Cowboys 49ers rivalry, man. Mm, when those two one. teams were at the pinnacle of the NFL from like '92 to like Dion jumping six, yeah, Dion going from he's with Atlanta and then he goes to San Francisco, wins a Super Bowl yeah. there, then he goes to Dallas the next year after that and wins a Super Bowl and the. Cowboys and the 49ers met in the NFC Championship game three years in a row yep. from 92 to 94. That's a great, I love and, that one. And the Cowboys had gotten the best of the 49ers the first two times. And then it was Steve Young's, that was the big Steve Young year in 94, yep. where Steve Young finally got, he got the monkey off his back when they beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl. You know, he said, somebody come over and take this monkey off of my back. And, you know, but that NFC title game at Candlestick against the Cowboys was like that was the crowning moment for Steve Young because the thought was that oh you're you're not Joe you're a great quarterback but you're not Montana and yep. that was finally the moment where it's like Steve Young got it done and that Super Bowl was god awful so that <laughs> championship the crap game out of the Chargers all oh, that Chargers game was just terrible yeah but the Cowboys 49ers rivalry in the in the mid 90s was uh, fantastic I miss it um number four for me I'm going into the, into the college game here Keith Jackson. Calling college games, man. I thought Whoa, about putting Nelly. Keith Jackson on mine because, and he was more your era than mine. Like the, yeah. My early childhood was kind of the tail end of his career there, mm-hmm. but he was awesome. Yeah, and the I always remember one. My number one Keith Jackson memory was him calling the national championship, the first BCS championship game that Tennessee Tennessee beat Florida State, and I'm a big Tennessee football fan. So, um, but yeah, he called that Fiesta Bowl, and that always sticks in my head. The uh, Desmond Howard punt return against Ohio State in, I think, 91, I think, where he Desmond's running to the end zone and Keith Jackson just goes, hello, Heisman. I've seen that a thousand yes, times. Yes, that was For me, epic. the Keith Jackson memory is Vince Young. Vince Young. It's yeah. the Vince it was Young his last, USC. Was yes, it Keith's was, last broadcast. Yes, that, Rose that Bowl. is yep. the memory for me, is that, that Rose Bowl between Texas and USC where Vince Young brought Texas back was, in the fourth he's quarter. He's trying to get the Great corner, game. and oh, yeah. he's got it. Yes. Vince he, Young he scores. Keith didn't really lose his fastball, did he? No, he was great. 
He got which is very, the right time, though. Which is very yeah. unusual, though. Yeah. Right, but most guys stay at least a year or two too long. Yeah, he probably His left a year or two too early, but... Yeah, no, I'd rather see that. Yes. Yeah. Zolgadian yeah. rule. Yes. <laughs> what did you think of Albert Pujols last weekend, Mr. Zolgad? That's a great... You know what? He should have got done with that series and hung it up. <laughs> <laughs> he should have called a press conference in front of the cart at home plate and said, Thank you very much, St. This- Louis. Loved it. I'm done. This is the same Judge Zolgad, Danny. I don't know if you remember this or if you've been told about this. The uh, this is the same Judd Zolgad that thought the year Peyton Manning won the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos it that it was still a big mistake for Peyton to play that year because he was he left a year too late. Passes wobble, even though he went out air. as a Super Bowl champ. Yeah, you know what? It made me sad to watch. It wasn't easy to watch. I'll, <laughs> yeah, I'll give you it that. Was pretty, it was not it was easy to watch. To watch. All right, you're listening uh, to Purple Daily on the All New Score North. Manny Hill's list of things that he misses most from football uh, during his childhood continues after this. From the 45 on second down, Cousins ahead fake, fires, Thielen has it, inside the 10, he's into the end zone for a Vikings touchdown, 45 yards from Cousins to Thielen, and the Vikings pull to within 5, it's now 31-26 Rams. Purple Daily on the all score North, Zolga, Danny Cunningham, Manny Hill, right now we are going through the things that we miss when it comes to a professional college football from our childhood, Cunningham has uh, gone through his list, which was what about ten deep? Yeah, ten or eleven. 10 I, I, I didn't number it. I just came up with a bunch. <laughs> of they things were great. That I missed. Now, M- Manny, you've run through, I believe, three of your four, four of your six. Yep, uh, seven, seven. So okay, I got, I got three left here. Let's go to your last three. All right. So number three for me now. Barry Sanders for me is like my favorite football player of all time. Just watching him, which is weird because yeah. you're a Vikings fan. And he tormented. Oh the boy, did he ever! Yeah, but getting to watch him twice a year against oh, yeah. the Vikings was always great fun. Yep. But despite that, one of the things that I really miss from like the '90s is the big bruising bell cow running backs, like the totally with the, you. you know Jerome Bettis, like when he was at. His best with like his early years Before with the Rams time, and Earl Campbell. Yeah, yeah, love but, like, Earl Campbell. I think of guys like Natron Means and Bam Morris. You remember Bam Morris with the Steelers, like those big, two hundred and fifty pound Natron running backs. Means business. Yes, yes, that's right. You know, with the with the Chargers and the, and then with Jacksonville. Yes, uh, when Jacksonville started to get good with with Tom Coughlin, but. Yeah, those those guys, Bam Morris, Barry Foster, those big two hundred fifty pound, Craig Hayward. Yep, yep, definitely those guys. I I miss those big, big bruising guys. The the last great one that I recall, and I wasn't a kid by then, but uh, and he tormented the Vikings. I believe at least once played for the Chiefs, Christian Okoye. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Enormous man. Late eighties, right? Oh yeah, yeah. He could run right through you. Yeah. Um, all right, number two, and uh, Jonathan, I believe, this is an individual, actually, that I missed from my childhood. Jonathan, I believe you uh, have the sound for that uh, number two. Well, what happened was that second game, we got our ass kicked in the second half. We just got our ass totally kicked. We couldn't do diddly poo offensively. We couldn't make a first down. We couldn't run the ball. We didn't try to run the ball. We couldn't complete a pass. We sucked. The second half, we sucked. We couldn't stop the run. Every time they got the ball, they went down and got points. We got our ass totally kicked in the second half. Jim Mora, James Ernest the Mora. Se- yeah, senior. Yes. A lot more fun than junior. Yes, 
in in so many ways. Yeah, Jim Mora at that time, that was his last like post game speech as head coach of the New Orleans Saints. He resigned, I think, like the next day or like later that week. Wonder why? Yeah, because they couldn't do diddly poo. Um, and that was a game that I think they lost nineteen to seven at Carolina in that game. Like he made it sound like they got destroyed by like five touchdowns and they lost nineteen to seven. But um, he was like. Jim Moore was an all-timer just for, mm-hmm. like, post-game stuff. And, I mean, everybody thinks about Diddley Poo and they think about playoffs and all that. But he had some stuff from, like, the late 80s and into the early 90s when he was coaching the Saints oh, that, were, great. that were fantastic. Great quote, yeah. Yeah, he was he was awesome. Are, are there any, any coaches left now? Rex Ryan was, but he's not coaching now. Are there any real characters left? You know, you, you used to have Ditka, complete character. Yep. Crazy, but a character. Jim Mora certainly a character. I think Pete Carroll's kind of a character. Okay, but, but he doesn't not, give not you the. But he doesn't give you the quotes. He chews more the gum than thing anything. With, with the Saints was fantastic. And even why here, are you like in such Jenny. a bad mood, Mike? Why do you care? Why do you care? <laughs> why do you care? <laughs> if you were two and seven, you'd be in a bad mood too. <laughs> Trade the whole draft for Ricky Williams. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Jim Mora was okay. uh, was awesome. Um, and uh, my number one is. Uh, I think the greatest broadcasting duo in the history of football, Pat Summerall and John Madden. That was the, the mid nineties, especially when, when that pair went to Fox, when Fox got the rights to the NFL in 94 yep. Yep. and they went right from the booth at CBS and they went right over to, to Fox and uh, Pat and John, they were if the big game of the week. It was Pat Summerall and John Madden every single Sunday. What about when, when Pat went from, CBS. And coming up next on CBS, 60 minutes followed by your news or something. To, and coming up next on Fox, The Simpsons. <laughs> it might have been the great. Except on the West Coast. Right. Except on the West Coast. But Pat yeah. Summerall teasing The Simpsons after teasing in the iconic news program on CBS for all those years might have been one of the greatest uh, changes of all time. Yeah, and I used to love the way Pat Summerall was so unique in the way he called games. So if it's like the Cowboys and 49ers, for example, and and it wasn't so many guys now are very descriptive, and even even like the TV guys, they're they're really mm-hmm. detailed and very descriptive. So, Summerall would just say, you know, first and ten for the Cowboys, Emmett, gain six. Yeah. Second and four. This is where I think the generational divide between you and I really is. Because when I think of Pat Summerall, I think of Golden Tee Golf. I think of him on the Golden Tee sure. Golf games. Like that makes perfect CFRs. sense. For sure. I, don't, yes. I, I don't equate football with him at all. Well, he called his last game when? Uh, that was the last game him and Madden did together was uh, Super Bowl thirty six. Was that the Rams? Rams Patriots. Patriots that, yeah. Right. Yeah, and he had, and by the way, his fastball was long gone. Oh, yeah. By the last of, couple sad. of years into like 99, 2000, 2001, it was, it was, it was time for Pat to be done. Be- because then the plan was that, uh, that Joe Buck replaced Pat mm-hmm. and Madden was, I think originally Madden was going, they said to, uh, to transition to Joe Buck. And then the next thing you knew, Madden took the ABC job, correct? Yep, with, with Al Michaels. Yeah. Did you know, did you know that, that in 1979, I believe, when when CBS identified Madden as this potential star and, and the fa- fact that he was good at describing coaching, you know, because until then you didn't have this whole, 
guy from the sidelines, X's and O's, and describing the, the game at home, which at the time was really cool mm-hmm. and unusual, that the original competition for the play-by-play job to be his partner was Pat Summerall worked some games with him as a tryout, and Vin Scully. Mm. And Scully didn't get it, and Scully was so mad he quit CBS. Really? And then that, and and Vin, you can find Vin on went YouTube, over to NBC after yes, that, right? Yes, yeah. and you can find on YouTube Vin Scully, if I'm not mistaken, calling a Vikings game. He used to do golf and football, too. Okay. And, and Vin on football now just seems really weird. Yeah. And one of my favorite things about John Mann that I remember him most for, is I remember obviously him calling games, but so many of the commercials that he would do, like Tenactin. Do you guys remember Tough Acting? Tough Acting, Tenactin. Like, yeah, I remember yeah, yeah. those more so than like moments of him in the booth. What was the... Yeah. Um, I buy that. Yeah, that was, was that for like the what was the Tenactin for? Was that for like like a foot cream or something? Yeah, yeah, it was for like athlete's foot. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tenactin, okay. Tenactin, but he had the great pipes. Oh yeah, in Pat's day, Pat had the great pipes, and Pat was what a kicker for the Giants as well. Yeah, yeah, he, he was in the because Gifford the first, was a quarterback for the Giants. Yep. and Pat was a kicker. Pat was a kicker for the Giants in that what was it the first overtime game played in like. 1957 or yeah. something like that. I think Pat was the kicker for them. But yeah, Pat, the Pat had the fantastic pipes. Yeah. Back you, then. If you listen to Super Bowls that he called for CBS in like the 70s and into the 80s when he was doing them with Madden, he he's, he'd had a 100 mile an hour fastball. Mm-hmm. His delivery was fantastic. The play by play was great. The modicum of words I absolutely loved. Yeah. I would love to see a play by play guy now do exactly that again. Just, Aikman, give, me, just give, me, give me a little something. You don't need to. I'm watching the game. I can watch the game. Just give me a little something. But if you duck out, that's fantastic, too. It's second and four. Aikman to throw it. Finds Irvin. First down, Dallas. Yep, and that's it. And that was it. And then John went into his analysis. The, the two biggest guys that, that lost their fastballs and stuck around, but as broadcasters were really, really good, if you go and listen to, I think it's the narration of like the 1967 World Series, which, if I'm not mistaken, is Cardinals Red Sox, mm-hmm. and it's available. Harry Carey, Harry, and he's got he does not sound like the guy who worked for the Cubs. He had the great really. Pipe. He had really good pipes, and and you're listening and you're like, this is Harry Carey because he was doing Cardinals. Yes, at the time, he was right? doing yeah. Cardinals, but he was there. There was a time when. Because he became this lovable grandfather, always drunk, right? Yeah. <laughs> but there was a time, I think, from what I've heard in the 60s and probably before that, when he had a definite fastball, and he was really, really good. Interesting. Hmm. But I, I, the first time I heard that, I'm like, Harry Carey? This isn't Harry Carey. <laughs> Grudzelonic backwards. Hey. It is spelled so. L1. And a two. All right, I've got ten. And if, if we could take a break here, is that possible, Jonathan? Does that work for you? Yeah, we can do that. Okay, let's do do this. Let's take a break. We'll come back with uh, my 10 things that I missed from a long time ago. And then, of course, uh, get to Hot Routes as well. It is Purple Daily on the all-new Score North AM 1500. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh cosmic crisp apples. There are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. 
Baker's fresh for everyone. This view was worth a hike, right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Colaguard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Colaguard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you, or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.